Welcome, everyone, to the New York Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. We are here live streaming like we do every single Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yes, that's me, the grumpy old man. I'm not the guy who streams, you know, whatever. You should have let me say my thing, which is that's me, and then you go into your live streaming thing. Thanks for bungling. Number one. Grumpy, are you upset that I didn't go ahead and let you get your little pop line in there? Uh, You know, you got to keep it a little fluid. We have to change things up occasionally, grumpy old man. No, that's my tag. That's what I do. And, you know, I don't want people to forget. Oh, goodness gracious. Grumpy old man, there has not been a lot of Islanders news since our last podcast, but today is definitely going to be an interesting podcast. I'm sure we're going to have um, listeners that are going to be a little upset, possibly, with what we're going to go through. We're going to be covering today, in my opinion and the grumpy old man's opinion, the most overrated players in New York Islander history and franchise history. So it, I, I'm sure we're going to get definitely some people who disagree with certain players we're going to list. And I can only imagine, I can only imagine who grumpy old man is going to bring to the table. Uh, I think you're going to be surprised. I do. I think you'll be surprised with certainly, well, I, I don't know. I mean, we don't talk about it ahead of time. I like it to be a surprise because I'd like to see your silly facial expressions when I say things. So I have not told you people on my list, and so there you go. But I'm sure there's some people on my list that you're going to say, yeah, I knew he was going to say that. Trust me, Grumpy. I have preemptively pulled a few players who I feel like you're going to utilize in this segment just to make sure that I can either combat or agree with you, just so I have their stats easy to pull up for myself because I feel like there's going to be a few outlandish people you're going to throw on this list. Is that accurate for me to assume, Grumpy old man? I mean, I don't think stats are the be-all, end-all for for certain things, yes, like somebody who perhaps gets a whole lot of secondary assists. I mean, you know, that might count as something, but not in my book. So, <laughs> Oh, grumpy old man. I had a feeling. I had a feeling that he was definitely going to be on your list. But before we kind of jump in, I do want to go ahead and bring in Paige for the segment Stump the Grump. And last week, grumpy old man, you got a little cocky. And I might have as well. We've been listing off these phrases and nuances that people use uh, in current dialects uh, pretty easy. So, you know, I told Paige, I said she has to come through with a saying that's going to really stump both you and myself. So we're going to go ahead and bring her in. And I I can only imagine what word she has for us today for the stump the grump segment. Hey, Paige. Hey. Hello, Paige. So I was somehow uh, disappointing you with my quote unquote easy words. So I decided I had to step it up a little bit on you this week. You were not disappointing me because I was able to answer the questions correctly, which always makes me feel good about myself. (laughs) Well, sorry about this week then. (laughs) Okay. So the word, or it's kind of a saying. So it's called wig snatched. Wig snatched. Mm -hmm. Grumpy, I'm going to let you go first because I I have no earthly idea as of right now. I'm going to need a second to go ahead and ponder on this one, grumpy old man. What does wig snatched mean? I think that means that like people have weaves in their hair. If they get into battles, people try to yank it, rip it right out of their heads. I'm going to say they got wig snatched. Mm-hmm. That's well, I, the literal term of it. Yeah. Well, what can I tell you? So it's not that. No. 
Obviously. Okay. Well, I'm going to let you use it in a sentence too, and then see if I can kind of do. But I mean, actually, I think that's pretty good because that is the literal definition of a wig snatch. I thought it would just be someone literally taking a wig off of somebody, but I guess not. Um, I'll use hair as an example. Uh, when Thomas got that haircut, I was wig snatched. Oh, shit. Wait. I mean, she lost her freaking mind. That's what I'm going to say. It's when you like, you just been blown, like your mind has been blown. That's what I think. Like, holy crap, I can't believe he did something so stupid. Like that, something like that. It's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. That's what I was about to say, Grumpy Old Man. I feel like it's maybe like you've got your mouth like left ajar where you're just kind of like, what's going on? Is that what it means there, Paige? So it's like a term of like shock or unimpressive or impressive act or appearance. I like so it. Like I, I was like really it. snatched. Like it just caught me, you know, by surprise. Like you flipped your wig. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm unhappy that I didn't get it right right away. So a little bit disappointed there, but I like it. Yeah. Well, there we go. We got pages. I mean, that word definitely was a little bit more difficult for the grumpy and I to decipher. So she definitely did a good job. And I expect more of these difficult words, Paige, going forward. One thing, one thing I have to say, Paige, I do appreciate that you brought TJ and ran him down in your definition. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought that was, that kind of made me feel really good though. So even though I didn't get it right, I'm still benefiting from this work. Exactly. I try to bring, you know, senses from our personal life in to make it a little more entertaining for you. I 100% agree with you. Uh, grumpy. I'm glad, I'm glad Paige, go ahead and make your day. Well, thanks Paige there for the stump the grump segment. You stumped both grumpy and myself. <laughs> Already here, grumpy old man. Well, you uh, cut her off quick, man. You cut her <laughs> off quick. She was in mid-word, click, gone. I mean, I'm not going to say you're going to have problems later tonight, but, I mean, <laughs> you just cut her off like that. I mean, she was in the middle of saying, hey, thanks, hello, everyone. I probably, I probably was a little preemptive there with the remove from stream button, grumpy old man. Uh, but it, I thought <laughs> – Was the reason because she – mentioned you when she lost her mind when you got that horrific haircut or the fact that you got it wrong or was it a combination of the two that you just brutally cut her off well it's because she had to go ahead and come up my haircut is what it is so just had to remove her immediately right grumpy okay you'll like i said you'll be paying for that later no problem oh god almighty grumpy old man um before we kind of jump into this segment there of the most overrated islanders in franchise history i would be remiss grumpy old man if we did not talk about the retro jersey that the islanders went ahead and came out with here i guess it was maybe monday or tuesday this week i can't remember exactly what day it is um it looks almost identical to our current jerseys so well, I, I thought you were going to mention that the, the shirt that i'm wearing today but you didn't uh, it is a Super Bowl. Ooh, how do we get that? Super Bowl 38 shirt. I did uh, go to that Super Bowl. Um, and I'm very underrated for great Super Bowl games. The New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. It was 32-29 and many lead changes late in the game. It was, it was a fantastic game. Uh, one of the most exciting Super Bowls ever. Um, if you ever get a chance to watch it on NFL Network, they do play replayers, plays. The last uh, – Really, I want to say from the end of the like five minutes to go in the second quarter to the end of the game is just fantastic. It really is. Uh, yeah, I mean, underrated, very underrated Super Bowl. Well, that was I, if I do remember. Um, 
Vettateri had to win that game, right, with a with a field goal there in the closing minutes. Is that correct, Grumpy? Yeah, the Panthers came back. They went for a couple of two-point conversions, failed on both of them. Uh, and they uh, John Casey, who was a great kicker for the Panthers at the time, kicked the ball out of bounds, gave the ball, I believe it was the 40-yard then. And even sitting in the stands, I remember all this, that's it. You know, Brady's going to lead them down, and he sure enough did. And Benettieri popped the game-winning field goal with, I believe it was uh, maybe six seconds to go after that. And it was, like I said, fantastic. I met some, I met Bruce Willis at that game. Uh, huh. uh, so many, so, so many people. I mean, it, Super Bowls are fun. If you ever get a chance to go to them, I highly suggest you do. Well, I have to ask you this, grumpy old man. You talk about Super Bowls. Super Bowl tickets now are extremely expensive. Now, that Super Bowl grumpy old man, do you know how expensive those tickets were that you had to buy? As an employee, I, I think it was like 500 bucks I paid for that. Um, I worked another Super Bowl, um, the one with the Rams and uh, the Titans. Uh, I worked that Super Bowl, so that was free, and we stayed at the NFL Hotel. Uh, that was great. I met some of my – some legends of the game, Phil Sims, one of my favorite football players ever. Uh, talked with him numerous times. Great guy, fantastic guy. Uh, some guys are jerks, uh, but he was really nice. Um, Tiki Barber was extremely nice. A lot, a lot of nice guys, and it was nice staying at the NFL hotel. But it was interesting to see which players were cool and which ones were jerks. So, I was about to say, Grumpy. I'm glad you weren't out here outing individuals that were really jerks to no, you. I, when you I'm, met not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not. Gonna do that. <laughs> well, again, like for those type of athletes, especially at a Super Bowl environment, if they were ex-football players, you can only imagine how you know, overbearing that could be. And I understand like when you're a star athlete, it, it, you know, it kind of comes with the territory, but I could definitely see how that gets a little annoying over time. No wrong. He, these people were jerks, flat out jerks. Wow. There's a difference. Here's the thing. You're in the NFL hotel. Okay. So we stayed with all the former players, you know, all the players. I mean, you know, uh, so like I said, some people were wonderful. Marty Schottenheimer was great. Uh, Phil Sims, like I said, was great, but there were a couple of guys, real jerks. Oh, grumpy old man. I'm not, I'm not going to name who they are. <laughs> I want to kind of get to talk a little bit about that retro jersey. Uh, Brish brings up a good point here. He says, not a big deal, the retro jersey, especially when they won't be wearing them for any more than two games. Uh, and I, I get it. I guess the thing that bothers me the most about the retro jerseys, even if you were to utilize the fishermen, and I know people hate the fishermen, I feel like the younger fan base who isn't as connected to the time period that the fisherman jersey was originally associated with, I think that fan base just likes it because it's a cool design. And let's be honest, the retro jersey, all it's trying to do is just generate revenue for the NHL as well as for their particular team. I don't see too many people are going to be shelling out money for the New York Islanders retro jerseys, I don't think. <laughs> Would you? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I mean, I guess I definitely thought if you're going to do – uh, a retro jersey, you definitely bring out the fisherman jersey. Absolutely. I mean, they sell the merchandise in the team store. Why would you not, uh, you know, put that out there? I, I mean, I just thought it was stupid. It was lazy, uh, kind of like the offseason that Lou Lamarillo is having, just stupid and lazy. It's like, why, why put any effort into it? Why put any effort to try to get guys off the salary cap? Why put any effort in trying to put out a different-looking jersey? Why? I, I will say this much, grumpy old man. 
I'm, we're quibbling about something that's really unimportant because, to be honest with you, I can give two craps what the jersey looks like, to be frank. All I care about is if the Islanders are winning games. That being said, I just think they missed out on a, at a good chance for marketing and a good chance for extra sales. That's, that's I mean, like I'm just looking at it from a business aspect. I know Lulu Lamarillo is definitely old school, so maybe he doesn't like the fishermen either, but the same token, like it or not, I think he would have received more people – with intrigue to go ahead and purchase a fisherman jersey than you have with the current retro jersey we just released. I don't know if Lou Lamarillo had anything to do with that or not. If he did, it was like I said, lazy, stupid. Uh, but I, I can't think that he has any control over marketing. Maybe he does, um, but it was certainly a missed opportunity to make some money. I, I mean, I just I don't I don't I don't do not dislike that logo. And you look at some of these other retros from the other teams. I mean, the Kings is fantastic. The uh, I love I what liked, the Wild did. I liked I liked uh, the St. Louis Blues. I liked the Kings. There were a lot of good teams that I liked out there. Where I'm just like the Minnesota North Stars. Oh man, oh man, I was loving some of these retro ideas and like the Buffalo Sabers. And I was like, oh man, I said those are some real, real classy jerseys. And for us, I'm like, oh, we just got a different deviation of what we already have. Uh, but again, you know, players win games, and all that really matters is when we're winning games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But just, but I mean, you know, when you want to rep your team, you want to have something a little different. I mean, it's just a missed opportunity. And it's funny you mentioned the Minnesota North Stars. It's the Minnesota Wild, but they used North Star colors, and I thought that was just fantastic. And I just liked that the Kings was fantastic. The Colorado Avalanche, the Colorado Avalanche, uh, going back to the Quebec Nordiques jersey uh, design, I thought that was great. Uh, I think the Mighty Ducks one was terrible. I didn't like that at all. Whoa, hold on, Grump. I'm I'm not I'm not an Anaheim fan, but I might I might look into purchasing one of those jerseys. I like them. I thought they were pretty unique. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like those. And you know, the Athletic did like a poll of the best and worst. Guess who came in last? The Islanders. I mean, it's Islanders. not a shock. I mean, it's like, is that a di anything different? I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I didn't like it. I mean, again, end all be all. It's not that important. All I care about is when the Islanders win games. Um, but, you know, we're in the offseason, so we have to find things to talk about. A grumpy old man. We have a comment here from Scott Levy. He says, how do you think Lou is going to handle the Barzell situation with the owners wanting the players to take less money because the team is losing so much money with the virus, even though the players and owners agreed upon stipulations with the new CBA? Uh, do you want me to answer that first or do you want to answer it? Grumpy, I I know what your answer is going to be, so I figured I'd let you go ahead and fire first. Yeah, I mean he's he's going to be signed without a doubt. It'll be some low ball offer. Um, I mean, I got to figure what he's certainly going to get paid more than five million a year. Uh, probably six, maybe maybe six and a half, and probably for two or three years. That's that's what I think is going to happen. Just two or three years. It's going to be a short term bridge deal. I think I think Grumpy, I think you're right with the bridge deal. We talked about this a little bit last uh, podcast. It's going to be a little bit shorter, um, probably two or three years until they can go ahead and get that cap continuing to move in the right direction so they can actually pay him Matt Barzell's rightful due. Uh, that being said, I think he'll probably get around $7 million, maybe a, a smidge more than what Anders Lee gets. Again, that's contingent on a lot of different things happening and how much cap space they're able to free up. And honestly, if you think about it, he should get paid more than Anders Lee. There's no way he should be getting taking a penny less than average Anders Lee. Absolutely not. 
<laughs> well, probably not overrated. Oh, goodness. Well, we got here from Paul Henry. He said, the Ducks are great for us 90s kids. I do agree. I love that Ducks jersey. And I think, I don't know, it does remind me a little bit of that 90s retro feel. Yeah, but it just it was just like a like a half ass sketch on the, on the side of the jersey. I mean, I, I don't I don't dislike the the Ducks jerseys. I mean, I thought the ones you know with the bill and stuff. I thought they looked good. I just didn't like that particular version uh, that they that they released as their retro jersey. That's all, because I mean, I remember what their original jersey uh, was as well. I thought that, I thought that was okay if they would have brought that one back. Yep, Scott also says there, Montreal's retro jersey is great. Yeah. Classic. Uh, Montreal does it right. I mean, you know, love or hate the Canadians, you know, they have a classic uniform, and even their retro one is fantastic. Too. Like I said, there were a lot. I just mentioned a couple I thought of. Uh, it's funny, you mentioned that you like the Blues one. I did not like the Blues one. I guess because I like the one where they had the, uh, the baby blue, which they brought out for the uh, Winter Classic. Uh, when they played last year, I believe. And I love that jersey. I thought that one was fantastic. That's that's their old retro jersey. So this one was, was from the, the year of Brett Hull, which was good too, but I always liked their original. That's just me though. Okay. We also have a comment here from Bruce King. So he says, like I've said before, Barzal's signing doesn't need to be announced anytime soon. Lou is a quiet guy and he's finally announced uh, – and when they finally announce when hockey is going to be played, a big if, then trades and signings will be announced. Islander fans are very impatient these days and are very bored without any hockey. It's true. That's 100% true. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it gives us nothing to talk about, right, in the offseason. So all I can do is rip Luke Lamarillo and say he doesn't know what he's doing. He's, you know, <laughs> foolish. He's not clearing any cap because he hasn't. It's over a month and a half now since we – did the salary dump of a young player as opposed to an old guy. Well, I will tell this grumpy old man. Again, it all depends, and I think he's right. It depends on what they're they're still aiming that the NHL regular season is going to begin in January. They're going to run a little bit of a shortened, abbreviated season this year, and they're planning on having it end. I think they said either in June or July. Sometime around then the playoffs are going to end. So a little bit later and a little more extended than what they usually have. In the same token, no grumpy old man. Um, I think that that's a good point there by Broshi. As soon as they go ahead and get it to the point to where they do know exactly what's going to happen with the season, what needs to be done, I think you're going to see a little bit more of a push to actually finalize what their regular roster is going to look like. Yeah, they have time. Uh, the only issue that I had, like the only issue I've ever had with the whole thing was the fact that, you know, you traded Devon Taves in essence because you didn't, you couldn't pay him because it was a lack of planning on Lamarillo's part to have all his ducks in a row before th this offseason. I mean, that's on him. He should have he should have worked on those contract extensions during the regular season, so it would not have affected the team uh, this season going in. But he didn't, and now you're paying the price. A lot of teams do that. Uh, the New York Yankees are a team that does that. They don't want to pay their young guys uh, anything more than they have to, and then they want to pay through the nose to keep them or go after free agents. It's why their salary is so high every year. Uh, I just think it's short-sighted and it's a mistake, particularly in the salary cap era. Absolutely. Okay. Well, grumpy old man, I don't want to get you started down that road because now we're 20 minutes in to the podcast and we originally, we had come out with a goal that we are going to talk about the most overrated players in Islanders franchise history. And I think it's important when we preface this 
It doesn't mean I don't like the players. It doesn't mean I don't think the player is good. But in the same token, it means that either one or two things. The fan base overappreciates and overvalues that player's talent or the coaching staff and management overvalues that particular player's talent. So grumpy old man, I know many, there are going to be. How many guys do you have on your list? I really just jotted down some names. I have three players who I think are number one as the most overrated players in Islander franchise history. And when I explain it, I don't think it will come as a shock to many, um, grumpy old man, because I think most will agree with those that those players were overrated definitely during their time period. So I, I've got a few jotted down. I didn't necessarily put down a list of one through five or anything like that, Grumpy. Okay. Let's see. Let's hear who you got. I'll shoot them down. I'm going to shoot you guys down. Um, I shouldn't say that. I'm going to bet that you're probably pretty much spot on with probably some of your guys. Um, I, I'm, about to say, I'm about to say here, Grumpy old man, you're not going to disagree with what I've got. Um, if I had to say who are the most overrated players – I think number one comes down to three different players. And the reason I grouped them all together is because they're products of John Tavares. We've talked about this before in the past, that his old line mates really benefited from playing with John Tavares on that Islanders team when we were really in the dark ages. And so I have at number one, I've got Matt Molson, P.A. Parento, and Kyle Ocposo. I mean, if you look at their performance with John Tavares, Ocposo, I think, performed better than Matt Martin and Parento during his time period with Tavares. He had a few multi uh, 60-point seasons uh, where Molson and, and P.A. Parento had seasons with 60 points. But you saw as soon as they got traded or as soon as they left via free agency, you saw when they weren't afforded, even when they still were afforded top six minutes, when they, w- when they weren't benefiting from playing with a superstar talent like John Tavares, you saw their point production decrease. You saw that their their standing with their particular new organization also decreased to where they're bottom six players, and you just kind of saw their their career fall by the wayside. Yeah, uh, and you could put uh, you could put Anders Lee in that group too. I mean, right? I mean, let's be honest, right? He put up big numbers when he played with John Tavares, and since John Tavares has been gone, he just doesn't do that anymore. And people keep expecting him to be fantastic. Oh, he's going to have a bounce back year. Based on what? He doesn't create. He just, I mean, he worked well with Tavares. And if he continues to play with my partner, he's still not going to put up big numbers because they don't mesh. I think, now, here's the thing. I consider him overrated, certainly by management. You give a guy a $7 million a year contract for seven years, you're expecting big things from him. And he's just he's not going to deliver on that deal. It was never a shot he was going to deliver on that deal. And that's why I consider him overrated. I, I never thought he was that the be-all, end-all. I would have let him go Here, to agency last year. Here, here's my thing, grumpy old man. I don't think necessarily his contract was a direct correlation on what management valued Anders Lee at. I think his contract and what he was offered was a reaction to us not being able to sign Panarin or being able to successfully get Panarin to the Islanders. I think if we brought Panarin to the Islanders, we would have not signed back Anders Lee. I really do. Um, so, and, and it's the same exact reason why I didn't really include uh, Anders or um, Andrew Ladd on my list either. I mean, we overpaid him certainly. Um, I, 
I'm not sure the exact expectations that the Islanders management had for him when he did join the Islanders. And the same token, though, grumpy old man, I think that was a reactionary signing. I think Anders Lee, when we signed him back to that huge deal, was a reactionary signing to us not getting Panarin. That being said, grumpy old man, I I think the contract's going to be bad for Anders Lee and for the Islanders as he does continue to age. I really don't think Anders Lee is that that overrated. And the thing is, I made sure to have the stats particularly for this player pulled up because I knew you were going to list Anders Lee as you always coined him as average Anders, grumpy old man. That's what he is. He's an average player. It's what he is. I mean, he brings leadership, but he's an average player. He's certainly not the face of your franchise. I just – He's a product of John Tavares. Absolutely. he's He certainly fits in that group of three that you put up there. Absolutely. A hundred percent. He fits with that group. So I have no problem lumping him in that group of four then. The John Tavares overrated players. Matt Molson, certainly. Uh, P.A. Parento, absolutely. Um, Kyle, Ocposo, Kyle Ocposo, definitely. And I, I'm not like I consider Kyle Ocposo and Anders Lee virtually the same type player for what they bring. Wow. I, mean, I mean, I mean, Kyle Ocposo was a fan favorite. He was a team leader. He put up good numbers when he played with John Tavares. And as soon as he's left, he doesn't do that anymore. I mean, Anders Lee is the same type player. I mean, yeah, you know, this is what it is. Now, you could say that Anders Lee is. Uh, not overrated based on where he was drafted, okay? But I think he's overrated by management and certainly by fans. But, well, Grumpy, we do have a comment here from Bruce. He says, Ocposo is the bottom four guy in Buffalo now, and Nielsen's the bottom four guy in Detroit, uh, was considering buying him out. When players leave the Islanders as free agents, they don't perform the same. It's as easy as that. Um, I wouldn't say all. I wouldn't say all players don't perform recently, certainly. But if you look at the majority of the free agents we've lost, I guess you could say even within the last five years, they've either been guys who were paired up with John Tavares and benefited from playing with John Tavares or really Matt Martin. I really can't think of a lot of – I mean, like I guess Vanek, also grumpy old man. His career did kind of fall off the wayside after joining the Islanders. Um yeah, but, but Vanek, Vanek was a really good player before he got here. He was only here for half a year. Uh, I mean, I, I don't put Thomas Vanek in that class. He He's better than those guys. Uh, it's it's one unfortunate thing also about Vanek's career. Now, Grumpy, I might be wrong about this. Now, he usually is traded or was traded at the time period almost every single trade deadline. I always felt like Thomas Vanek's name was always popping up. Oh, teams are making a late playoff push. Oh, they went ahead and traded for Thomas Vanek. Am I correct with that assumption? I can't remember off the top of my head. Well, I believe he was dealt a couple of trade deadlines in a row. Um, you know, but Thomas Vanek was a good player with Buffalo, really good. Yes. Uh, so I, you know, I didn't have a problem picking him up. I thought we should have done. It was that was another Garth Snow blunder. I mean, you should have had some type of communication with the guy saying, you know, do you want to sign with us long term? Because he wanted giving him away for nothing, for a bag of pucks named Sebastian uh, Coe and a second round draft pick. I, mean, I was about to say that was that was one of the worst. Or 
I won't say one of the worst trades in Islander franchise history because there have been a lot worse trades than that. But that was definitely one of those moments where you think to yourself, wow, what a mismanagement of an asset within less than a year you turned. Because, I mean, we we paid a pretty penny for Thomas Fanning when we originally traded for him. And we dealt him at the trade deadline after we determined that, yeah, he actually doesn't want to sign back with the Islanders. I mean, we literally got pennies on the dollar. Yeah. And he certainly was talented, and he worked extremely well with Ocposo and with Tavares. Like I said, you know, people forget how good John Tavares really was with us. Uh, I do want to say in uh, response to the comment previously that bad teams, even bad teams, have players who put up good numbers because someone has to score and put up points. And that was the case with Ocposo and with Nielsen. I mean, they were part of some really bad teams when, uh, you know, when they were with the Islanders. And I thought they were overpaid, uh, you know, and they they're not they were not playing in the same roles on their new squads, and they just weren't as good. Now, Kyle Ocposo's case, I think he got really sick, also uh, when he was up in Buffalo like a, a couple of years ago. I'm not saying that he earned that contract. But uh, that certainly hasn't helped. And Franz Nielsen, what's he, like 35, 36 years old now? You know. And he was never really more than a third-line center. He played second-line center for us, but he's a third-line center. And he was a good third-line center. He, exactly. In an ideal scenario, he would have been a really, really great third-line center. He was an unbelievable scorer in shootout. I can't tell you how <laughs> – <laughs> I always loved. He had that that shootout move down pat. He was very, very talented with a grumpy old man. Um, and that's right. Bruce did also go ahead and bring up a good point here. I forgot that the Islanders offered Vanek seven years, almost $7 million per. Wow, oh, wow. Thank goodness he didn't sign that with the Islanders because could you imagine – could you imagine if we had that bloated contract on our team also? I mean, Vanek really wasn't the same after leaving the Islanders. I, he put up decent numbers with the Islanders, but he really was never the same when he went back to Minnesota. Well, he always wanted to go back to Minnesota. See, that he wanted was to go back home. Point. He eventually he wanted to go back to Minnesota, and that's where you know he wound up going. But he was he was supremely talented when we traded for him. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we do have a few more. Um, Grumpy old man comments. Give me one second here. Um, we got one from Scott Levy. He says, TJ, I agree with the Lee resigning because of a reaction uh, of not getting Panarin. Now, if you remember what uh, Do Nothing Lou said at the time, that even if they signed Panarin, that they were going to re-sign Anders Lee. It had nothing to do with that. I don't believe him. I believe it was definitely a reaction signing. But what was another reaction signing? Right? What was the reaction signing from Garth Snow when we lost Kyle Ocposo? It was signing another AL, uh, Andrew Lee, Andrew Ladd, right? It's funny how history keeps on repeating itself. AL2, Anders Lee Part 2, another contract that we're going to rue the day that we've signed them. I mean, I, I was saying right from the beginning, just like I said with Ladd, I mean, you knew that was a bad deal signing Ladd. You knew it was, but they couldn't get anybody to come here. And it was a last-ditch effort to put, you know, some type of talent on the team. And I think the same mistake was made with Anders Lee. I just – it was just a bad deal. We also have here from Paul Henry says, Polly Cupcakes does not approve of the grumpy old man's Lee criticism. Now, and again, I'll put it to you like this, Grumpy, before we kind of put Anders Lee and speaking about him a little bit to rest for a bit. I, I want think to Polly Cupcakes. <laughs> was that Grumpy? Polly Cupcakes – is a co-host of the Washington Capitals podcast. Caps Chirps um, podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh-huh. 
I was going to call it the Hideous Washington Capitals podcast. I didn't know what it's called. I don't pay any attention to those acts. Uh, but, uh, yes, I mean, he doesn't like my league criticism. I don't care. I he will say be- this. <clears throat> I will tell you this much, Grumpy. I just do not agree with likening him to Matt Molson, P.A. Parento, as well as Kyle Ocposo. And solely the reason is Anders Lee – has produced still with Matt Barzal. Not at the same level that he produced with John Tavares. But, I mean, if you look at his time even with playing with John Tavares, one season he put up 52 points, next season put up 62. And, I mean, that's the year he had 40 goals. And given the goal production hasn't been there as much, but you're looking at a guy who's still going to be around there about 50 points a year. Um, if you know if the season wasn't shortened, he would have been on track there to hit about 50 points this season. And last year or two years ago now, he had 51. I don't think we're going to see the production we used to see out of him with John Tavares. So in that point, Grumpy, I, I do acknowledge that, yeah, he's a little similar to guys like Ocposo, Parento, and Molson. Not as severe, though. I consider him more of a comparison to Kyle Ocposo as opposed to Molson and Parento. I, I, that's who I consider him as Kyle Ocposo, um, who was a good player and the fans loved him. Uh, but in the great scheme of things, not a great player. And one more thing on Paulie Cupcakes. You know, he's just a poor, a poor very, very poor imitation of Paulie Walnuts from The Sopranos. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Grumpy. Well, Bush brings up an interesting point here, too. Get Hoffman in here, and both of the players' numbers will go up. I do agree. Uh, Matt Hoffman would add a little bit of offensive pop. I'm just not sure how we'd even be able to dream of making an addition like that to a player who would demand some cap space uh, tied to him. I just don't see how we're going to do it. Not sure what's going to happen. That no, I just I don't th- I don't see it as a possibility. With Matt Barzal probably going to want seven million there around what Andrews Lee's getting. There will be no additions to this team this year. Zero. Nothing. Islander fans do not get excited for additions to this team. It will not happen. Only subtractions. I will tell you this much. We are going to see promotions of the young guys, which is a big plus, Grumpy. You've said it, and I've said it before. That's good. We want to see these younger guys getting some time. We want to see guys like Sorokin's obviously going to be getting, hopefully, you know the majority of games here coming up this season. And we're, I feel like we're going to see Oliver Wallstrom in some capacity. If Oliver Wallstrom isn't playing on one of the first two lines, don't even bother bringing him up. He's not a third-wing grinder. Do not put him in a position where you turn him into one of your third- and fourth-line clones. He's a guy – he's a goal scorer. He's there to score goals. If he's not playing on one of the top two scoring lines, there is absolutely no reason to have him up. None. Zero, nada, nothing. No, Grumpy, I will tell you, on most situations and for most teams, I agree with you. But in the same token, our third line produces. Our third line's not like other third lines across the league. You get you do have a center like Jean Gabriel Pajot out there on the ice, and you know rumors are possibly we might bring back Massard. No earthly idea if that's going to come true. But I mean, there is some offensive acumen on that third line. It's not like we're putting him on the fourth line back there in the Capuano days when we went ahead and put Nino Niederreiter there and essentially destroyed his development with the Islanders. Okay. As well as his trade value. <laughs> you think they would ever put a line out there? Do you think Barry Trotz would put out a line that was Oliver Wallstrom? Uh, Jean-Gabriel Peugeot? 
Yes, JG Parenta. Uh, not got me saying Parenta. John Gabriel Pajot. Yes, the greatest number forty-four in New York sports history since Reggie Jackson, and uh, Derek Broussard. Absolutely not. You might see him if he's going to do that. He's going to put Uncle Leo on the other wing. That's what he do because he wants that defensive presence out there all the time. That's what he wants. He's not going to. I mean, I like Derek Broussard and what he brought to us last year in limited time. But he was benched because he wasn't good enough defensively. And if you think, I mean, how good defensively do you think Oliver Wallstrom's going to be? And I think the kid, he's certainly a producer. I don't think he's anywhere near ready to play the defensive game that the Islanders like him to play. I mean, and you think they're going to have two guys like that out there? I just don't see it. Well, again, uh, I'm not opposed to having a guy like that. You may have to sacrifice a little bit of defense. If you do feel confident that the rest of the line can foot the bill. Remember, Jean-Gabriel Pajot is a very, very solid defensive center as well. I think Bellos might get a chance this year, but I don't want to deviate too far away from our topic of discussion, grumpy old man. Yeah, I, I think I, some I, of the younger players, what I meant, the, the point, the big point I'm trying to bring home is I think our younger players are going to get a chance. So even though you say we won't have any additions this year to the team or any big additions, um, I think we're going to see some of those younger players that we've been vying for for a while. They're going to finally make their debut. And I think that is not as not as important as bringing in players over the off season, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah. The team needs to get younger. Uh, I'm going to wait until I actually see them do it though, because if anything that this regime has taught you is young players need not apply. We only want older veterans here. Well then grumpy Mike Hoffman will work well there in that scenario. But Brish also says here, you put lad on long-term injury the second day of the season, the Islanders could spend over the cap uh there and go get Hoffman yeah I mean that's possible they remember they still have to get Matt Barzal signed and they don't have the money for that right now so you know and they're gonna they say they've already signed Matt Martin and Andy Green so figure that's gonna be absolute minimum what two and a half million for the two of them I think probably two maybe two I again like they'll probably get league minimum both of them uh but grumpy old man I gave I guess the first or the most overrated players in my opinion, Islander franchise history, grumpy old man. And I think they were overrated probably more by the fan base at the time period than it was via management because all those players, Matt Molson, Matt Molson, uh, Kyle Ocposo and PA Parenta were all allowed to walk. So I don't think necessarily they were overrated by management. I think they were more overrated by Islander fans. Um, grumpy old man. I want to know some of the players you have listed on the most overrated players in Islanders history. Well, I have, and it's a sore spot with me, but I have someone who's, uh, who I consider overrated. He was overrated by in draft cert, in by the draft team. He was overrated by the management of the organization, overrated by the owner of the organization, and he set our team back, I don't know, light years, Rick DiPietro. Uh, grumpy, I wanted to guess it. You're not going to go ahead. I was supposed to oh. guess it. I, I could tell based off of the way you're describing him. It was Rick DiPietro. Absolutely. Um, I mean, think about think about how Rick DiPietro becomes a member of the Islanders, right? The imbecile that is Mike Milbury. And here's the thing. I like Mil I met Mike Milbury, uh, you know, certainly nice enough, uh, you know, but as a GM, a zero. I mean, I don't even, I don't even think he was a bad coach, really. I know he was hamstrung by playing for Charles Wong and they didn't have the money and all that stuff. But when you're trading 
Roberto Luongo, and Ole Jokinen. And Zidane Chara. Well, no, no. Zidane Chara was later. That was later. He was no, still no. traded under Mike Milbury's reign as a general manager, though. Yeah, but I'm just speaking to the Rick DiPietro, uh, the Rick DiPietro thing. Rick DiPietro was a late riser in the draft, and I remember Milbury saying he fell in love with him because he was a brash Boston guy. I, I'm like, what? I, I even his thing. I'm not an NHL scout, but if a GM is telling me, well, I picked him because you know I liked his attitude. You had Roberto Luongo, future Hall of Famer. Ole Jokinen, borderline Hall of Famer. Well, definitely a perennial NHL all-star. Absolutely. And you traded them for Mark Parrish, who was a serviceable winger, and Oleg freaking Kavasha, who was the human bust. And I remember when Milbury made that deal, he could have drafted Danny Heatley, Marion Gabrick. Both of them had long NHL careers. No. They were the consensus top two picks that year. And he went off the board to draft the Pietro. And I remember Milbury saying, well, you know, if this deal doesn't work, yeah, it's a bold move. But if this deal doesn't work out, off with my head. And Mike must go. And that was the saying for years, Mike must go, Mike must go. And it didn't cost him his job because, I don't know, him and Charles Wong were tight. And, you know, hockey for dummies and all that stuff. It just – it was a bad time to be an Islander fan. I mean, you see him trading away guys like that. Luongo – was right on the cusp of being a great NHL player. They lowballed him the year before, where if he played 25 games, they had to pay him a bonus, even though he was the best goalie on the team. So what do they do? They send him down to the minors for the last two weeks of the season so he doesn't get the bonus. It's just stuff like that, man. It was tough being an Islander fan back then. Tough being an Islander fan. It definitely was. And I will say this about Rick Pietro. Well, at the time period, he was the highest goalie or the highest uh, goalie ever selected, first overall. Um, you drafted number one, correct. Yes. Um, you don't really see that all that often. Goalies take longer to develop. They're more of uh, – I mean, like you'll get goalies who are drafted high, but very rarely do you get goalies drafted within the top five. I mean, like, again, Carey Price, I think, was drafted early on. I can't remember the exact pick Carey Price was picked and selected at. Marc-Andre really- Fleury went number one. Mm-hmm. And again, like those, those are guys who were outstanding goalies in the NHL. Obviously, uh, Ricky Pietro, he's an odd case, right? Because the injuries hurt him, I think, significantly. Um, and it's one of those things where even if he wasn't injured, I, I'm still not sure he ever, number one, would have lived up to the draft hype that they selected him with. But I can tell you one thing. When they originally gave him that 15-year deal, he never lived up to that by management. <laughs> Even yeah. if he didn't have the injuries, I don't care. I don't think he would have lived up to that contract. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And, you know, Milbury all said, you know, I love the way he handled the puck. You know, he was great with the puck. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, if I'm somebody who's listening to something, goaltending. Is stick handling number one on my list? No, it's stopping the puck. I mean, he never even mentioned that. And, you know, he wasn't great at stopping the puck. He was, oh, he was an average NHL goalie, and you traded – a Hall of Famer and a borderline Hall of Famer for, you know, that to pick for the right to pick that. So you actually lost out on a Marion Gabrick or a Danny Heatley who would have brought some offense to this team. So just bad, bad. It was a bad, 
bad series of moves right there. Really. Well, I will say one thing about Luongo. You're you're referring to him as a, a definite Hall of Famer. I don't know. I think he I think he probably will make the Hall of Fame. I don't think he's going to be first ballot or anything like that. I, I think they're going to look at the lack of, I guess, you know, a Stanley Cup, and I think they're going to try to ding him on that. He didn't have good rapport in Vancouver. Uh, in the Canadian town, so no, uh, that's not true. That's not true. Maybe at the end, but maybe at the end. But he led that team to the Stanley Cup. He was fantastic for them. He was really, really good for a bad Florida team. The only reason to watch the Florida Panthers. He was really, really good. Uh, I think you're seriously mistaken there. He's third all time in wins. I think third all time in shutouts. He was the gold medal goalie for Canada in the Olympics. I, I think you're selling him way short. I know he's got those. I think Hall of Fame also is a lot based off of rep and a lot based off of a popularity contest. I mean, you see that across all sports, right? Some players, you know, they're kind of borderline whether they're going to make it in or not. And if they were able to go ahead and get a job, let's say, hypothetically speaking, in broadcasting afterwards, or they're getting a job where they're heavily involved in the media in some capacity, that always elevates them to the next level. Um, so I, I think, I don't know. I, I think when his name comes up to be a hall of fame, you know, cast on the first ballot, I'm not sure he makes it. I'm not saying he's never going to make the hall of fame. Um, but if you, at the time, if, you, if you're top five in the major categories of any league, you're going to make the hall of fame. He's top five in all everything except for goal, goals against, but he's still one of the, the top goal. You look at some of the goalies who are in there. He's better than them. And he played for bad teams. That's the thing you have to understand. He played for really bad teams. We are getting, Grumpy Old Man, a lot of comments of players who were overhyped, but we're getting a lot of players who were overhyped in the draft. We got a few here that are, you know, we traded for that really didn't pan up to their name, but we're getting a lot of players that were overhyped in the draft, Grumpy Old Man. I'll let you kind of continue with who else you have listed as overrated on your particular board, and then I'll kind of start slowly introducing some of these. So I'm making sure I'm pinning these for us so I can make sure I show you later, but I just wanted to let you know, Grumpy Old Man. Well, uh, I'm sure there's one that, you know, the king of the secondary assist is wildly overrated by this fan base. Uh, uh, not everyone, not the people with brains, but, uh, you know, the newbies or maybe people who've never seen a hockey game before. Josh freaking Bailey. I mean, talk about being overrated. I can't tell you. He's a third liner who managed to somehow slither his way. And he, I don't know what he has over the organization. And I think he's like, Josh Bailey, solid soldier. Without a doubt, uh, quiet leadership, I guess. I don't know. But as a hockey player, he's just a jag to me. Uh, somehow he plays on the first line, the second line, but his talents are more uh, reminiscent of what a third-line player should be. I will say this much about Josh Bailey, Grumpy Old Man. I know you hate him. I had his no, numbers. I do, not hate him. I do not hate him. I do not hate him. I hate that people think he's that good and that the organization thinks he's that good. He's not. He's a he's a he's a third line player and a good third line player, a good third line player who's elevated because of coaching. I I will tell you this much, grumpy old man. I think he's I think he's a great third line player. I think he's a Swiss Army knife, just as Barry Trotz goes ahead and utilizes that verbiage there to describe um, Josh Bailey. That being said, for the fans that think he's an elite winger, I think you can definitely argue that yes, that's a little. Uh, that's becoming infatuated with a with a player just because he's associated with your team. You know, if you saw a player like that on another team, I'm not sure I would call him an elite winger. Uh, and in that stance, grumpy old man, sure, you could say the people who believe that that he's overrated. I don't think most fans think that Josh Bailey's an elite winger. I think some fans certainly do. 
Um, but most fans do not. I think I think I think Josh Bailey is a more than serviceable winger. I think he's a guy who could play probably is an excellent third line winger. I think he is a more than serviceable second line winger, and he's also a serviceable first line winger due to injuries and things of that nature. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, like I said, I and you, I mean, I just the player Josh Bailey. I just, I just don't understand the love this organization has for him. I, well, I, I think the, I, I'm not. I'm not sure the organization has love for him. I think the contract that we have him on is a sweetheart deal. I mean, when we signed him originally, I mean, five million per grumpy old man. That's a sweetheart deal, in my opinion. Yeah, but I mean, so I don't think management. I don't think management overvalues him. I think. I mean, remember he took a he took a discount to stay with the Islanders. Now he could have gotten more on the free agent market than five million dollars a year, and I firmly believe that. Mm-hmm. I think some p- people in the fan base overvalue Josh Bailey. I definitely will agree with you there. Not all, but some certainly do. Now it takes two to tango, but there's a player who never has to worry about getting a contract extension. His contract extension is always done before it comes up. I mean, you know, I know he doesn't want to leave, and it seems like management doesn't want him to leave because guess what? I don't care if it's $5 million a year. If he's not making your team better, move on from him and try to get somebody else. I just, like I said, I just, I, I don't have an affinity for Josh Bailey as a talent. Uh, I just, I just think he's overrated. Anyone who thinks he's a, a really good player. Well, they're mistaken. Well, grumpy. Who do you he's think he's, player. who do you, who do you think he's overrated by? Anyone who thinks he's any good. Oh, stop. Management, management obviously overrates him because they keep on giving him contract extensions. How do you keep on giving this guy a contract extension? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, grumpy old man. You're telling me because they gave Josh Bailey a contract extension in which he signed a deal that's a very manageable contract, you think that makes him overrated by the management? I think he's not overrated by management at all. I think maybe, sure, you can make that argument for some sycophants who love him as a player, who love him just solely because he's a true Islander for probably his entire career. I think to make that about that statement about management, I don't agree. When you hear people talking about Josh Bailey potentially having his number retired by the New York Islanders, says all you need to know about overrated. Right there. He, Holy he, here, here it is, though, Grump. Management's not going out there talking about putting up Josh Bailey's number in the rafters anytime soon. It's fans. It's not. It's not management, and that's what I'm trying to say, right? With overrated players, there's two different classes. Are they overrated by management or are they overrated by the fans? I think he's certainly overrated by certain sects of the fans. I 100% believe that. I do not believe he's overrated by management. Okay. See, he'd be a guy. I'd be. I'd be more than willing to trade. That, that's a guy, if I had to trade somebody to get out of from a salary cap who actually has some value, perhaps coming off the best postseason he's ever going to have, that's when you move a guy like that. But that was not even an option. I mean, that's not even an option. Uh, I'm surprised another guy not on your list, not to jump to somebody else. I'm surprised Nicoletti isn't on your list as overrated. And I'm going to say that's an overrated by the coaching staff. I, I think he, I think I, but Grump, I, I I'm happy to talk about Nicoletti possibly being overrated by the coaching staff. I wanted to bring up a guy who was tough for me to put on this list, and I think he is a fan favorite, and I think he most certainly is overrated when you look at his success elsewhere. He is part of the best fourth line in hockey, Grumpy old man. Do you do you know who this is? 
Matt Martin. Yeah. Has to be Matt Martin. Yeah. Uh, fantastic team. Once in another team guy, glue guy. I mean, right. That, that's what our whole team is, you know, glue guys. Uh, Matt Martin, you know, whenever they were doctoring the stats back uh, during the dark times, you know, what do you have? I don't know. 5,000 hits in a season. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of hits every year. <laughs> And, you know, he's loved by the community, the Islander fan, right? I mean, his, people were petrified to lose him, lose a 32-year-old fourth-line player who only plays about two-thirds of the season anymore, and they were petrified they were going to lose that when they had guys to fill in that spot already. Petrified. We can't lose Matt Martin. It's like, no, I'm sorry. I, I, think that, I think that's when we see a lot of the, the favoritism a fan base has for the individual, not necessarily the performance on the ice. And they reminisce over the old days of which where he used to be a bruiser. He'd have 110% energy every single shift. He was out there fighting. He was out there mashing people's faces in the ice. You know, they love that. They love being able to reminisce upon it. And, you know, to a certain extent, when he returned back to the Islanders, he had a little bit of that. Um, that type of hockey – really doesn't work in places like Toronto and places where you have to be able to skate. You have to be extremely offensively skilled and have good offensive acumen. I mean, remember, Matt Martin was a healthy scratch for the better half of a quarter of a season with the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, before we went ahead and signed him as a free agent to move back to the island that Lou Lamarillo went ahead and signed him back. So, you know, a guy who I think is a little overrated by the fan base is Matt Martin. I love him. Love him as a guy. I think he's a good player. Um, I just think he's a little overrated by the fan base for people to be vying for him to continue to be brought back uh, when really we're looking at probably diminishing returns. Again, like 30-year-old tough guys who continually have to skate 110% every single shift out there. It usually is a recipe for recipe for disaster. Okay. I, I mean, I 100% agree with that. Uh, did you have anybody else on your list? Because I have one that's going to get – I'm going to get screamed at. I'm going to tell you right now. But – and he's probably – I would consider him the number one most uh, overrated Islander of all time. Did you have anybody else on your list? Grumpy old man. I had a few players I had written down that I thought maybe you were going to select and that I feel like members of the fan base would select. I don't have anybody else, grumpy old man, that I would have written down this list. I had Kyle Akposa, Matt Martin, P.A. Parento. I had Rick DiPietro. Um, to a certain extent, obviously injuries hurt his career. I had Matt Martin, and I had a few other guys I thought you would select. But, yes, I'm ready to hear it, Grumpy. I'm ready to hear one that's going to shake the fan base and the listeners here the live stream. Mr. Islander Bobby Nystrom. Really? Yep. Why do you put him there as overrated, Grumpy old man? Um, he played 14 years at the Islanders, right? He had, you know, 513 points. I mean, clutch. Absolutely clutch as anything could be, but he, you know, he scored only thirty goals, only once. Uh, I saw, I see this, and again, like I can't, I can't speak too much on Bobby Nystrom. I didn't watch a lot of his games live or during the time period of that hockey grumpy old man. I don't think though, just points are solely indicative. He is so revered, and he's revered by me. Absolutely revered by me. I, I'm i a huge Bobby Nystrom fan. Mr. Islander. When your name is Mr. Islander, I mean, he scored the biggest goal in New York Islander history. Period. Yeah. Period. End of sentence. End of story. And he was – but he was more of a tough guy. Uh, you know, I just – if you look at the actual numbers – 
He's probably a little overrated. That's all I'm saying. I don't I, again, like I don't I don't say he's overrated. And sure, I could if you're making a point of hey, because they won Stanley Cups, because he was with some great line mates, and because he was part of that team in the 80s, the early 80s, is the reason why he's so revered. Sure. I again I a grumpy old man. I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot more overrated players in Islanders history than Bobby Nystrom. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying for, for him, for how he's. I mean, he's Mister Island. He is the embodiment of Long Island hockey, right? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he's Mister Islander, and you know, is he the greatest Islander? When you're called Mister Islander, uh, would you say he's one of the top ten all-time Islander players? No. Even top fifteen? No. I think embodying what it is to be an Islander is different than being the top Islander of all time. And sure, I get it. Maybe you didn't think the point production was there. I think when you watch those old games, though, and I've watched a few of them, I've watched reruns, and this is why, again, I'm not going to speak too much on it because I didn't have a chance to watch a full 82-game season of Bobby Nystrom. So I think what he brought to the table was more than just points. Out of games I've watched from him, it wasn't like point production is what he brought. That's not what he was known for. So he was Matt Martin uh, with more offensive talent. He was like that. He would fight. Here's the thing Bobby Nice would fight anybody, anybody, anywhere, uh, without a doubt. like I said, I love Bobby Nystrom, but I mean, what I'm saying is he's he's a he's a hockey god on Long Island, and I think I think the reason why maybe you put him in that class is it just because he had his number recently retired, grumpy old man? Not recently. He I'm sorry, not recently. Numbers retired. When you're Mister Islander, you're getting that number retired early. Sorry about that. He's had his number retired there for a while, grumpy old man. Do you remember uh, his number? Do you know his number? Grumpy, I can't recall off the top of my head. Don't do this to me. Don't do this to me, grumpy old man. That's all I'm going to say. What? Do you know his number, grumpy old man? I can't remember off the top of my head. Of course I know his number. He was the great number 27. Mm. Well, that not Tonelli. He was not 27. He was 23. Okay, grumpy. I was about to say, I think 27 was Tonelli. 20 to 27. I wanted to see if I'd throw you off, but you got me. You got me. You knew John. Okay, Peter. grumpy. All right, grump. Very convenient. Anyway, um, I will say this much here. Uh, we do. I wanted to go back here and pull up a few of these Islanders that, or a few of these players that were overrated for Islanders, but that our fans have listed here for us. Um, I'm happy I haven't seen John Tavares in this list. When I was doing some research, and you read on Reddit, you read elsewhere, people would throw John Tavares's name on there, and Absolutely. you see them try. Well, you see them trying to make their argument for, oh, this is why John Tavares is overrated. Look at the team's success since John Tavares left. You know, it's John Tavares's fault. Blah blah blah. Man, oh man, guys, I saw those arguments, and boy, were they weak. I'm just happy I haven't seen John Tavares's name pop up here in the comment section. Uh, we have we have quite a few grumpy old men, so we might go rapid fire here. Uh, we have one from Bruce Kings. He said, "Overhyped." I'm going to say Bertuzzi. Uh, no, Bertuzzi wasn't long enough. wasn't here long enough when he was trade. When he when he was he came via trade, correct, grumpy old man? No, he was drafted. Todd Bertuzzi was drafted by the Islanders. And they wanted him to be the new Bobby Nystrom or whatever. Uh, he did not develop. You know, power forwards take longer to develop. And he was another guy that we traded early, and he took off uh, when he left this. He played. He played well in Vancouver for certain. Absolutely. I mean, like, 
He definitely found his stride there in Vancouver. Um, but, you know, I guess now, for overhyped. Now, he didn't say overhyped. He said overhyped. Um, to me, the king of the guy who was overhyped was Brett Lindros. Uh, I remember when Don uh, Dan Maloney was our GM, ex-Ranger player. It's funny. Um, it's funny you mentioned that, Grumpy yeah. Old Man. Scott Levy also says overhyped player, Brett Lindros. And I remember Dan Maloney saying that uh, we got the better Lindros. Oh. And he wound up having concussion. His thing, he was never going to be as good as Eric. Sorry, Eric. You know, a real shame with the injuries because he was, I mean, I don't think Eric Lindros gets the amount of credit for being the great hockey player that he was. He was absolutely spectacular. And for uh, older Islander fans, I'm sure they remember the trading for his rights and uh, how the Rangers were battling out with uh, um, Philadelphia to trade with uh, Quebec to get him because he said he would not play in Quebec. But Eric Lindros was a truly great hockey player. Concussions did him in, uh, absolutely. And I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves. And Brett was a really a pale imitation of him. And uh, well, the he funny thing is, concussion issues. So I was about was to say it. the funny thing about Brett too is he also had those concussion issues, just like his brother Eric. Yep. And it's really unfortunate, right? Eric Lindros, you know. Uh, if he didn't have those concussion issues, I mean, Grumpy, I I might sound dumb here. Eric Lindros is not in the Hall of Fame. Is that correct, Grumpy? I don't believe he is. I don't believe he is. He should be. Well, that's my thing, right? If that's a guy who didn't have those concussion issues and didn't have those injuries, definitely a guy I could see, you know, in the Hall of Fame if he played a ha happy, healthy career. So, but I don't, again, I'm, we might be wrong. I don't think Eric Lindros is in the Hall of Fame. But we have a lot here, uh, grumpy old man. We've also got here overhyped trade guys. Uh, Kirk Miller. Kirk Muller was a really, really good player. Um, did not want to play for this organization, and he let it be known. And it wound up being a wasted trade. He was gone at the end of the – I don't know how long he played here, maybe – half of one season and one of another or something like that. He wasn't here long-term and then he was moved on. Uh, he was uh, draft picked by the devils initially. And I forget who we got him from. I want to say, no, we got him from Vancouver, I believe in the Bertuzzi trade um, and part of that deal. And he was like, and then he moved on to Montreal. So, Oh, I'm glad Bruce came through there. Lindros is in the Hall of Fame. I'm okay. happy. I was about to say off the top off the top of my head, Grumpy, I couldn't remember if Eric Lindros is in the Hall of Fame. Happy he is. If not, it would be one of those things where, unfortunately, injury was the only thing that was keeping him out. So I'm happy he is definitely in the Hall of Fame. Now, over, uh, really underappreciated. I think, I mean, at the time, he was the man in the NHL. But as time goes on, nobody really mentions him anymore as a great player, but he was fantastic. Well, if you look at the point production, too, and you look at those – man, he put up some real gaudy numbers, and he was a guy who's big and physical also. That's right. He had everything, the physicality. I mean, I, I feel – He could you know, skate, I, too. He could skate. I, I remember when he got lit up by Scott Stevens, skating cross trolley tracks, as Don Cherry used to say, and he just – that was almost the beginning of the end for him. Well, when you look at that hit, that is almost used as a quintessential hit where you cannot hit a guy when he's got, you know what I mean? It's one of those hits where it's like, uh, I can't remember exactly what they use it for. They use that as one of those examples. You're not allowed to hit like this. And they show that exact hit. He leaves both feet off the ice. No, kind of launches that was himself. a clean hit. That was a clean hit. He was skating with his head down. He was skating with his head down. Get your head up, kids. Get your head up. Get your head up. You got to keep your head up. It's not, uh, the, not the ice capades. Keep your head up. 
I'm just telling you, they use that as this. These type of hits are not allowed anymore. I'm just saying they use that like almost as the poster hit of what is not allowed anymore in the NHL. Grumpy old man. Didn't even hit him in the head. You didn't even hit him in the head. Oh, know. grumpy! I really hope you're not wrong about that because I know I'm sure some people shoulders, know what I'm talking shoulders, about. Shoulders. <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. Uh, we also have Dave Shikowski. Grumpy oh, old man. Dave Shikowski. Oh my gosh, number two draft. I think we drafted him. Right after the Penguins drafted uh, Yager, I believe it was. Ugh. Ugh. I, you know, here's the thing. I have a hard time. I wouldn't say that Dave Shazowski was overrated. I think it was just and, – And that's one of the things. I left a lot of these players – I left a lot of the players that were drafted early and haven't really produced, like the Michael Doe Coles, et cetera, off the list. Because when, you, when you're drafting players, there's obviously always going to be some variability. There's always going to be, you know, what the player is actually going to grow into. Overhyped, I think, is different than overrated. Um, and I, I will say that, grumpy old man. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to tell you one thing. If uh, Sorokin doesn't pan out, he'll be on the overhyped list for certain. If Sorokin doesn't pan out, I would argue that he would be the most overhyped Islander in the franchise history. You look at the amount of hype Ia Sorokin has received, and he's the white whale, grumpy old man. He's been the white whale forever. I think he's going to succeed. I think it's important that I mention that. But if he doesn't, I think he'll be the most overhyped. He will be overhyped for certain. If he does not pan out, he'll definitely be overhyped. Absolutely. We also have a comment here by Roberto saying, what does the grumpy old man think of Alexi Ashen? Horrible deal. Um, that's the deal that we gave up. Uh, uh, Bill McCult, uh, Zidane Ochara, and what wound up being Jason Spezza as the number two pick in the draft for Alexi Ashen, who was an excellent player for Ottawa. Excellent. Uh, really good. Really good. But he came here, and remember, the organization was really bad. And he didn't work out here. He didn't have the wheels. Um, I think Alexi Alexi Yasin was a really good player in his day. And he actually put up some pretty good numbers for us for a couple of years. But you think about what we gave up in retrospect that makes that a really bad deal. I was about to say, Grumpfield, man, Alexi Yasin did produce here. Um, Obviously, the trade kind of mars what they look at with his value. I mean, when you look back on it, yeah, it doesn't really work so well when you're when you're thinking about, okay, you traded away a guy who's a first ballot Hall of Famer in Sedano Chara, a second, you know, the second overall pick in the draft, which would wound up being Jason Spezza. Might not be a Hall of Famer, but a guy who was another perennial all-star pr- player for Alexi Ashen, who was kind of there towards, you know, getting ready to he's already past his peak or close to past his peak when he was traded to the Islanders. That was at a time, though, when Milbury, you know, Charles Wong told him, hey, we need to start putting a winner on the ice. He also traded for Michael Pekka, who I thought well, that was a great deal for us um, at the time. He brought in Michael Pekka the same year uh, from Buffalo. And, or was it Van- – no, from Van- Vancouver or Buffalo? I think he was – Michael, 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 Peck, Michael Pekka was brought in there from Buffalo. He used to Buffalo. play on Buffalo, then he was traded here to the Islanders. Right. He started up – he was originally drafted by Vancouver and then went to Buffalo and then came here. And that was a good deal for us. He was uh, a glue guy, a leader. Um, didn't last the long term, had injury issues. Um, but that was during that same time frame where they were trying to put a win on the ice. And we did make the playoffs um, during that time frame. That was when we played – Sean Bates scored the overtime uh, penalty against, shot goal. Against, against Toronto. Uh, uh, so that was, you know, the one blip of happiness during that the long dark years. 
or being an Islander fan was that little time frame there. And that's why they made that deal. That's we also have a comment here from JP, Pierre oh, Terjean for Kurt Pierre Miller. Terjean. Yes, that's right. That's it from Montreal. And then we shipped him off, I think, to Vancouver. Uh, yeah, Pierre Terjean was fantastic. That was a good deal for us when we picked up Pierre Terjean uh, from Buffalo. Oh man, that, that was that was during you know the late the last renaissance of the Al Arbor years uh, in the early '90s, and Pierre Turgeon was fantastic for us for a number of years. He, Benoit Hogue, um, Steve Thomas, Derek King. Oh, they were for a couple of years. Glenn Healy was a goalie. We made that fantastic run, knocking off the Penguins in '93. Then uh, that cheap shot by Hunter, that punk from the Capitals. Uh, kind of ended any hopes of a dream and Patrick Waugh got hot and beat us in the uh, semifinals and then they Montreal won winning the cup. Grumpy, remind me, how long did Dale Hunter receive a suspension for next the next season? I think it was 20 some odd games, right? I don't even remember. Honestly, I don't remember. It wasn't long enough. They should have banished him for life. Well at that time period that was one of the, I think that was the longest suspension that any player had had ever served at that yeah, time period. I don't I want to say 21. Is for some reason twenty one is, is sticking out in my mind. Um, I was about to say I knew it was something in the twenties. I wasn't sure if it was 21, 24, something like that. But looking back on it, it was you know what I mean. That was that was close to was, a quarter of a season. It was so egregious. I mean, I don't know if you've ever even seen the play. Oh no, grumpy, grumpy. I've definitely seen the play. I think all Island fans have seen the play. the indoctrination of. Um, of becoming an Islander fan there. You see that hit and you just kind of remember like, Oh yeah, you know, that could have been a good chance for us to make a run there, possibly win a Stanley cup. And, and that hit by Dale Hunter single-handedly eliminated the chance that we did have. Yeah. Because that line was fantastic. Oh my gosh. That line was so good. And we got here a little clarification there. Bruce, as well as Scott said, 21 games the next, the, uh, the next season and those three games in the playoffs. Well, there you go, 21. I knew that number stuck out for some reason. I was about to say, 21 and 24, roughly about right there, Grumpy Old Man. Um, so is there anything else, Grumpy Old Man, you want to add here before we kind of conclude today's uh, live stream and the podcast here for the most overrated, I guess, you know, kind of deviated into overhyped as well, players in Islanders franchise history? Oh, here you go. Hold on. We also have one from John before I wrap things up, Grumpy Old Man. And he said, Ryan Smith. A huge flop, and he also yeah. put Ryan Smith cried leaving Edmonton. Another guy, you know, somebody mentioned earlier, you know, when guys trade or players leave the Islanders and they don't pan out when they go somewhere else. I can't, I can't even know, you know, in recent years, you know, not since the glory years, you know, my time. Uh, anybody coming to the Islanders was any good who ever panned out for the Islanders. Any of them, they can't wait to leave. I mean, you know, they come. Let me preface that, okay? Yeah, I'm Grumpy, you're about, bouncing all over the place. Get a second, yeah, control I, yourself, and let's know what's going I'm on. I'm not talking about today. I'm talking about in the late '90s through the the dark times of Millbury and Snow. You know, but the the organization was owned by Charles Wallen. They just didn't spend money. But these guys who we traded for the Ryan Smiths, who was a really good player in Edmonton. The Kirk Mullers, they just didn't want to play for this organization. And they totally spiraled out when they played here. And, you know, it just is what it is. But, you know, that was the same thing with Ryan Smith. I mean, we gave up a bunch of stuff, nothing that really hurt us too bad. Uh, it was more bad draft. You know, we gave up Nielsen 
and uh, who even, I don't even remember all the garbage we get. Robert Nielsen <laughs> and, and other and other players that didn't really make a huge impact. Again, I can't recall the exact Ryan Smith trade off the top of my head. Nowhere near as egregious as trades like that for Roberto when we gave Roberto Luongo. And that was the worst. And, that was the worst trade in Islander history. There was nothing else worse than that deal. Nothing else even close to worse than that. Really? Again, like I don't know, Grumpy Old Man. I think you can make an argument that trading away Chara, as well as what was the second overall pick, which was Spezza, uh, for Alexi Yashin is pretty damn close to a second. Yeah, sure. Uh, Yashin did actually perform. So in that capacity, maybe you go ahead and you can have the, the Luongo and um, the Luongo trade. You know, edging them slightly out, but I would argue they're on they're on level playing field. Uh, no, I'm going to say because Alexi Yashin actually produced for us for a few years. He did. I mean, you know, that was you know, it's not like he didn't produce when he was here. Uh, you know, but Mark Parrish really, for the most part, didn't, and Olin Kavasha, who was the centerpiece of that deal, absolutely did not. And you also gave up yoking it. Yeah, I mean, you know. He's. I think he has like thirteen hundred points in his career, something like. I mean, he's got a lot of points in his career. Jokin again. Jokin is a guy who's a perennial NHL All Star. Might have a chance to make the Hall of Fame, sure. But I will say this much, Grumpy Old Man: When you talk about Chara, that's a player where I don't think we're ever going to see a defenseman that maybe we will someday. But before Chara, there was never a defenseman like him, tallest guy out there on the ice. When he was young, holy crap, Grumpy Old Man. You watch those highlights, too, even like back in his Islander days. Man, oh, man, he could skate and he could stick handle the puck pretty decently, too. And, again, you forget, you know, what you've seen here from Chara for the last five or six years is really a shell of what he was during his prime. I mean, in his prime, Zidane Chara, wow, oh, wow. I'm not sure there's ever going to be a guy who is exactly like Zidane Chara in the future. I'm just not sure there's ever going to be a defenseman as big as him who could skate as well as he did too. Well, Victor Hedman is almost as He's, tall. again, Char, what, Chara is like three, four inches taller than Hedman? I think Chara was six foot eight, and Hedman's, what, six six? I mean, oh, six four, six five. No, I think Hedman's six six. Um, but the whole thing is, Zdeno Chara was fantastic. It was a bad trade. It was a bad trade. I mean, you know, things like that happened. But back then, we didn't make any good trades. Every trade was a bad trade. We were like, we were like the Peter Shirelli. Uh, if Peter Shirelli was the GM of Edmonton when we made those deals with him to offload Griffin Reinhardt uh, to get Matt Barzal and uh, Ryan Strome for Jordan Eberle, you know. But Peter Shirelli, we there. got we got Matt we got Matt Barzal and. And um, and Everly there for Strom. I think you mixed up the wording, but no, Everly. Everly was uh, we we traded away Ryan Strom. That we traded when we moved uh, Griffin to Edmonton. Griffin, yeah, we we moved. Yeah, we had given up there Strom as well as Griffin Reinhardt for, for two. Strom was straight up for Everly. Well, I'm just saying over the time period, our dealings with Peter Shirelli, yes. we had given him both Ryan Strom and Griffin Reinhardt amongst the two trades and gotten back in return what wound up being Jordan Eberle, Matt Barzal, and Anthony Pavillier. Yeah. Now, that what's his thing was uh, who was your GM? It wasn't Mike Milbury. And Hell, it could have been it could have been Mike Milbury just dressed a little differently. And, um, you know, <laughs> Peter Shirelli in a Mike Milbury outfit or, or uh, Mike Milbury in a Peter Shirelli outfit. Yeah. I mean, you know, it is what it is. That's in the past. I hate to keep on going back to it. But those those trades sent us back a decade. 
It really did. Yeah, Grumpyle man. Well, is there anything else? I mean, we also I also want to show here. We've also got. I know this will make you happy. Smolinski as well as Kavasha. I know that's going to make you happy, Grumpyle man. Right, Brian Smolinski. Right. Who do we trade? Another a real blood and guts guy in uh, Darius Kasparitis, who went to Pittsburgh and uh, man, I love Darius Kasparitis. Number five. He was number five pick in the draft one year. And he was a blood and guts defenseman. And he used to give Mario and Yager fits out there. And he was traded for Brian Smolinski. Oh, I, yikes. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to keep on reliving bad trades because, but I mean, there haven't been many great ones, right? I mean, the best trades got to be bringing in Butch Goring, right? I would a oh, grumpy. I mean, that was, I mean, that was the last piece, sure. But I mean, if you look at it as of recent, Gar Snow had some pretty damn good trades. Yeah, Letty and Boychuk, they, those were salary dumps where he was able to pick up those guys. And they, they were good, they were good players. But I mean, did they put us over the top? No. I'm talking about even, I mean, the trades when we brought originally in Jordan Everly, we got rid of Ryan Strom. I mean, Strom has been producing a little bit there for, for the Rangers. So I won't I won't say as much as that was as clear of a win as it was originally when we made that trade. But, I mean, definitely offloading Griffin Reinhardt, who is not even in the NHL, not in the AHL. I think he's playing overseas. You know, he zero NHL future for him for essentially Matt Barzal and Anthony Pavilion. Holy crap. You want to talk about a steal of a trade, grumpy old man. Well, Griffin Reinhardt couldn't skate. Yeah. I mean, you want want to talk about something funny, right? You want to talk about something funny, grumpy old man. You heard from scouts. You heard from people who consistently watch those games. Oh, Griffin Reinhardt can skate. He's just very measured with his movement. He's very patient out there. That's why you don't see him exerting too much energy, skating like a chicken with his head cut off. And you heard all this about him. He's very controlled, nuanced, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? When it, cut, when it came down to the brass tacks, the kid couldn't skate. All I had to do was see one game. I'm like, he can't skate. I mean, what's the one thing you have to be able to do in hockey? you got to be able to skate. And he couldn't do it. And a defenseman has to be able to skate. You can be a winger and get away with it. I mean, Anderchuk did for a Hall of Fame career, Dave Anderchuk. Anders Lee gets away with it now. Uh, you know, but as a defenseman, you better be able to skate. I mean, you know, hockey was a little bit different even 10 years ago. But if you can't skate, you can't even play on defense anymore. And that's why you see Char. Now, Char, you brought up, you know, Char doesn't, he doesn't skate as well anymore, no. but he's 43 years old. So you know, a little when, there. when Char when Char was in his twenties, I mean, he could still skate. For, he for could get up the ice. He, he can get up the ice. Nor big guy. He was a real good skater for a big guy. Yeah, as I say, he could get up the ice really quickly, especially for his size. He was an excellent skater for his size. And Bruce Kingstall also says Nino Nita Rider as well. Mismanaged. All right, they mismanaged Nino Nita Rider. I mean, who knows what he could have get? You know, we're always picking that five range all the time. You know, not really, high enough to get. One yeah. pick away from you know it's a four player draft and we pick five, you know it, uh, you know it's, it seems like it's been like that throughout our history really right even going back to Yager, I mean he was the last guy, you know and then it was garbage after that and I think we got Scott Sissions right after him or something like that, and you know but you look at right Strom Caparano ruled ruined him he had a great rookie year and then they ruined him after that Niederreiter they ruined. I mean, when you know, you can't develop talent, that kind of hurts too. Well, Grumpy, do you remember the kid line of Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, and Ryan Strome? Yeah. 
I was about yeah. to say, it feels like not too long ago we were watching that line out there. And and it's funny, you know, those players are now in their late 20s. Um, and it's just kind of funny to think, wow, you know what I mean? It's only going to be a matter of time before they're out of the NHL. Yeah, absolutely. Well, not soon enough for uh, Anders Lee. <laughs> stop, Grumpy. I'm Oh, stop, Grumpy. Well, is there anything else you want to say before we conclude today's live stream and podcast, Grumpy? Just one, little, just one little thing because I know it drives you crazy when I do it, but I, you know, I just can't help lamenting on the failures of Lou Lamarillo. Oh. I read an article in, in TSN this week where Philip Tomasino, who was the guy who I wanted the Islanders to draft, not this past year since we didn't have a first or second round draft pick, but last year, and we took the aforementioned Simon Holmstrom, who's just a ham and egger, Josh Bailey 2.0. And Philip Holmstrom, who I compared at the time watching his film, I'm like, gosh. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Simon Holmstrom. You just said Philip Holmstrom. Simon Holmstrom, Holmstrom Grumpy. Si- right. Philip Thomas. I'm, see, I'm, I'm getting all excited because. Grumpy, think. Again, slow it down, man. Slow it down, Grumpy. I know. I, know. I, I feel terrible. But I just had to bring it up because, uh, you know, the player that it's Philip Tomasino. He scored 100 points last year in 62 games. Uh, he was traded to Oshawa, and they're saying that he's knocking on the door to being in the NHL. And he patterns his game after Matt Barzal. He studies and We watched all the Islander games this year to watch Matt Barzal. He considered him a talent like that. And in my draft uh, preview of him, who he's the guy that I wanted, I mentioned it right up the top. I'm like, that's the kid I want. He's going to bring a Matt Barzell-like quality to your second line, and he's exactly what we need as a creator. We didn't, and we drafted Josh Bailey 2.0. Well, and- what what worries what worries me about <laughs> what worries me about Simon Holmes from Grumpy Old Man not putting up crazy numbers right now in the Swedish league he's in. And remember, when we had that pick, I thought there were a lot of guys who could be potentially real NHL all stars that were right around that selection. And I thought to myself, yeah, I, I liked Philip Tomasino. I also liked Ryan Suzuki, who played well last season. I liked the most, though, especially with the pick we were at, Connor McMichael who's going to be a guy I really think you're going to see a lot of production out of there for the Washington Capitals. I also like Raphael Lavoie. There are a lot of guys out there, Grumpy Old Man, that could really had high-scoring acumen. Um, and again, they're all playing in juniors, and Holmstrom was playing in Bridgeport last season, so there obviously is a little bit of a difference uh, in the talent level. But Raphael Lavoie, man, oh, man. He's, he's playing the same exact league that Simon Holmstrom is currently right now. I think he's got 10 games in this season. He's averaging a point a game. Simon Holmstrom's played like 12 games so far, got a goal and assist. I'll tell you this much, Grumpy. I was not a huge fan of the Simon Holmstrom pick just because of the players that were around that particular pick. I'm not opposed to Simon Holmstrom. I just thought it was a little bit of a reach. And again, we've discussed this before, and I don't want to go too much and opine on it too much, Grumpy old man. If Simon Holmstrom was the guy and you said, this is the guy we're going to select, it's poor draft management and poor management of draft capital where you could have traded back into the second round and acquired more draft capital for the future, and you could have still gotten the same exact guy. I don't think people are up there high on the board saying Simon Holmstrom's who we're picking next. Yeah, well, that's that's right. I mean, you don't uh, – uh, first of all, it was just a dumb draft pick. I mean, you know, he scores like Josh Bailey, three points in ten games. That sounds Josh Bailey-like to me. It's two, I think he's I think he's got two points in twelve games, Grumpy Old Man. Even better, even better. So maybe he's even worse than Josh Bailey. I'm glad we picked him in the first round. But there was something, 
so much offensive talent available there, high-rated offensive talent that it was – to me, I was stunned. I remember I, we watched the draft together, and I said, we have our pick of McMichael or Suzuki or Kaliev or uh, Tomasino. Uh, these are the guys who I wanted. And they said Simon Holmstrom. They're like, oh, he was supposed to be projected like as a late second-round pick. And then they're like, well, we had him rated highly. It's the fact that, you know, he couldn't – he was hurt all the time is why he was rated so low. Well, well, don't, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He wasn't hurt all the time. Don't use that language. He was – he got hurt his draft year which did, that is true and accurate. He's not hurt all the time. He got hurt his draft year and his draft class year. That being said, right, when players get hurt their draft class year, they always slip. The same exact thing happened with Matt Barzal. He got hurt his draft class year, and I think it negatively impacted his draft spot position. Well, and it's odd when you see that happen to a guy who's not as highly rated and he gets overselected there for the yeah, Islanders. Well, so it was definitely was odd. Absolutely. So you don't oh, you overdraft a guy who's injured, right? And he was hurt. This year for us, too. No, that's he, wrong. He was, hurt, he was hurt down in Bridgeport. He absolutely was. Grump, he played, he played more than 50 games in Bridgeport. Anyway, again, like you're going to have little niggles and naggles that you pick up there injury-wise. Uh, Bruce says, Holmstrom's young. Give him a chance before you speculate on the guy. I, again, this is this is the thing I have an issue when it comes to it. I understand Lou and Barry have turned around the team and the franchise in the organization, just as John says here, right? Lou and Barry combo saved this team. I agree with that. But, again, I'm going to give him fair criticism where I think criticisms do. I always have an issue when you're talking about and you're drafting a player in the first round. I, When you're drafting a player in the first round, everybody's pretty much cemented in. You kind of know where they're projected to go. I don't mind going off the board in the third round, the fourth round, the fifth round, the sixth round, the seventh round. Have at it. When you're in the first round, usually you know, you kind of have a little bit of a gauge of where players are going to go. I thought Simon Holmstrom, we probably could have traded back in the draft for to get. I'm not opposed to Simon Holmstrom. I'm just saying for where we selected him, a little dissatisfied. Grumpy, I usually don't like talking about it, but you had to bring it up as you always do. You called me up before the podcast said, oh, you hear about Phil Tomasino. They said he's not going on the doorstep. I will say this much, Grumpy old man. We've already talked about it off air. We talk about it on air. I hope. Simon Holmstrom, though, does continue to improve and continue and continue to grow. He looks like he's young. He's still, I feel like, hopefully growing into his body. I'm not going to knock the guy too much. I just think for where he was selected, I think we could have done different things. We could have traded back and gotten him if you still thought he was the guy. I don't think he's not the guy. If he was a guy, you still could have traded back. That's all I'm saying. My prediction is he's going to be a guy that I hate his whole career with the Islanders. That's my prediction. Hmm grumpy old man well as again grumpy old man in rare form as always is there anything else that you want to say here before we wrap things up grumpy no that's it i just had to bring up you know my boy philip tomasino who i wanted to be drafted on this team your boy well good to hear grumpy old man well thank you so much for being a part of the podcast as always and thank you so much for the lot the people who listened here to the live stream and are going to listen to the podcast we do appreciate it i love that we get to interact there with all the islander fans and the people who do listen to this live stream and podcast grumpy old man and i do love that i know that we are in an odd time period in the off season because we don't know when the season is going to start yet uh, they keep saying January. Who knows? They're not making real progress towards actually restarting things up in January because they're going to need there some sort of preseason to go ahead and get everybody ready. They're going to need training camp, etc. cetera. Uh, they really have to start getting on the stick with things. But hopefully in the upcoming podcast, we will be receiving some news on that as well as what's going on with Matt Barzal. But thank you again, as always, Grumpy Old Man. My pleasure.